Hello and welcome to Season 4 of the Global Founders Podcast. This is Drew Precious, Director of Communications at the Presidential Precinct. On Global Founders, you will hear from trusted voices who are working to further any of the precinct's six core focus areas. We hope that these conversations will spark new ideas, encouraging and empowering leaders in their work, ultimately moving us all towards the precinct's vision of thriving, just, and free societies worldwide. And now, on with today's episode. Good. Well, thanks everybody for joining us today. We're, we're lucky to have Rachel Enegbidion and Sarah Cohen. Uh, Rachel is a 2021 Mandela Washington Fellowship alumna. She has been uh, just a really vocal and engaged member of the Presidential Precinct Network. And just this past year had the opportunity to participate in a reciprocal exchange. Uh, Sarah is an executive producer, educator, coach, and DEI facilitator. Um, who focuses a lot in her work on elevating untold stories. Thank you both for being here, and I'd love to turn it over to the two of you just to introduce yourselves a bit more. All right. So I'm Ray, and you can call me Rachel. Um, I'm with ATR's Experience in Disability Advocacy, Policy, and New Development Issues. I'm the founding executive director of the Special Needs Initiative for Growth, it is a non-governmental organization that's focused on empowering persons with disability through the provision of resources and practical programs for living a meaningful life. I'm also a 2021 Mandela Washington Fellow, um, as um, Drew has mentioned, and I did my civic leadership track at the Presidential Precinct in Virginia. I am a 2021 Global Exchange on Religion in Society Fellow by the EU External Action Service. And I was also recognized by the United Nations Secretary General on Envoy on Youth as one of the 10 young leaders inspired to change the world during the COVID-19 crisis. Over to you, Sarah. Thank you, Ray. So uh, my name is Sarah Fanchon Cohen. I have worked a lot in uh, the education world. I started my career as a special education teacher and then moved more into coaching and training of teachers and educators. I uh, joined kind of the U.S. Department of State Exchange family uh, in 2015 when I did a Fulbright to uh, Bogota, Colombia, where I taught at a small teacher training college and worked with pre-service teachers who were training to become bilingual teachers. Um, when I returned to the States and started working more in, in teacher coaching, I also applied for and received my, my first grant from uh, US Alumni Ties, where I developed a, uh, a model that I've, been, that I've been using and employing since that would combine uh, digital storytelling as, as a, a means and a methodology for uh, creating platforms for horizontal conversation and dialogue in a way that they wouldn't naturally or otherwise occur. And I am excited to now be connected to the precinct through Ray, my project partner on this Mandela Washington Fellowship Reciprocal Exchange. I did my first reciprocal exchange in Zambia in February, 2020, and uh, have also been on numerous uh, Department of State grants directly with US embassies around the world and uh, utilizing this model and combining it with, with other colleagues uh, amazing models of community engagement through the arts. Very excited to be here. Well, thank you both. It's, it's really um, our pleasure to have you here and hear a little bit more about this reciprocal exchange that you participated in. So tell us a little bit more about what exactly the exchange looked like and how the two of you partnered together. Sure. So 
last year in 2021, I, along with a colleague, uh, Jonathan Walters, received funding to implement a, a convening specifically to kind of bolster the alumni community within Department of State uh, Exchange folks. And we called the Convening World Alumni Link, which was leveraging international networks and knowledge. And our vision for that event was to gather this small, amazing group of really, really remarkable uh, State Department alumni for a chance to interact, to do some mock uh, grant applications, um, receive feedback, and just connect with one another in, in, a, in an intimate setting that we don't usually uh, get to do. So Jonathan and I hosted that conference in uh, June of 2021, and Ray was one of our participants. And so exactly like the, the name implied, we actually did get to meet incredible alumni, or in Ray's case, she was a current uh, Mandela Washington fellow. And we immediately saw a lot of overlap in the work that we do, both in education and special education. So we, we looked for opportunities, we were brainstorming, we first applied um, kind of directly with the U.S. Uh, consulate in Nigeria, and then we saw the opportunity come up for a reciprocal exchange. And since Ray is, you know, very much plugged into and an advocate for the disability community in Lagos, we thought, why don't we, again, join forces, use this model that I've created over the years of digital storytelling and, and documentary, short documentary production as a tool for visibility and inclusion and horizontal dialogue, as well as raise remarkable network of um, kind of change makers in the disability space in Lagos and, and see what we can do. And I would love for Ray to explain a little bit more about how we did this. Thank you, Sarah. That was very, very detailed. So um, we actually started to focus on three elements. I'm going to share some of the three elements. So like um, Sarah mentioned, we had to use um, digital storytelling to normalize conversations that enhance the knowledge, skills, and attitudes of employers of labor in Nigeria regarding building a more inclusive hiring process and workplace for young adults, youths with disability. So we worked together to be able to promote this, this um, particular documentary. And the idea was to promote mainstreaming of disability, giving people with disability an opportunity to become role models in celebrating human di diversity and supporting one another, which aligns with the SDG 8, um, this, that is reducing inequalities. So um, after that, we had the second aspect of the model that um, um, Sarah did not mention, and I'm going to talk about it. It's called the Disability Employment Manual. Now, this manual is aimed or was aimed or published to provide employers of labor some best practices around employment of persons with disability. And it is a guide that is providing inclusive hiring, good working ethics, and culture for persons with disability in the Nigerian workforce. So as part of our advocacy work, we distributed this to some of our partners in, in, in the project, doing the reciprocal projects, such as Jobberman Nigeria, Enterprise Development Center, Pan-Atlantic University, CFAX Group, and Brainiac STEM and Robotics. These employers of labor have over 70,000 employers, over 2.5 million employees, and over 100,000 business owners across West Africa. Now, the beauty about this is that the hiring managers have now become advocates, 
and they are now at, they are now like facilitators for the discussions that are taking place in their offices. This is currently helping to change um, the long-held societal beliefs about the inclusion of people with disabilities in the Nigerian workforce. Thank you, Ray. I also um, I just realized that you know we we explained a lot about uh, kind of the results and and how we use this process, but I just wanted to provide kind of a simple breakdown for the steps of the project and what it included. So once we identified, right, that we wanted to bring together, in this case, our, our groups that wouldn't otherwise be in the same room were specifically students from the Nigerian Federal Society for the Blind and employers, high stakes, high impact employers in Lagos, bringing them into the same space together for a day of dialogue and discussion around what does it mean to live with a visual disability and also to be able to interview one another um, and really come from an assets-based mi mindset about what is possible in terms of employment for people with disabilities. So first, the first phase was, was choosing uh, and hiring a filmmaker to help us bring this vision to life. Um, and then co-creation and co-production of this documentary that is um, just a short glimpse into the stories and of, of three students from the Federal Society for the Blind who um, shared their stories with us. And then on the back end, organizing this, this day of, of dialogue and connection through uh, that included uh, that included hiring managers, um, uh, members of that included hiring managers and people from the US consulate in, in Nigeria, and, and as well as bringing together the students to this opportunity. So everyone in the same space together, we uh, debuted the documentary, premiered it, and it served as kind of the kickoff for this incredible day where we also, as, as Ray mentioned, debuted the, the manual, the disability rights manual for employers, as well as a number of other tools and have continued ongoing discussions um, since then. It was really, we see this as a, saw that as a kickoff to uh, a larger uh, advocacy kind of effort and, and change effort led by some of these key employers who, who have a lot of visibility in the hiring space in Lagos and, and really around uh, Western Africa. I'd love to hear as well, just a bit more about how you feel like this work and, and your individual um, passions were strengthened by the idea of working uh, in a cross-cultural partnership like this? When it comes to collaboration, you need to think about the long term. Um, for I and Sarah, we've gone beyond this. Um, we're now good friends. Um, we, we speak beyond the project. So there's so many things I could share with her and I believe her with me um, because we've gone and that's the beauty of, of this reciprocal exchange, having a mutual understanding between the American people and you know other parts of the world like ours. So for me, this is something that is really true, that trueness, being able to stay true to ourselves and stay resilient amidst all of the challenges. For example, I knew that during the capacity building training we had for the employers of labor and the persons with disability, um, there was a period of fuel scarcity in Nigeria. Um, and then we were wondering about the logistics because obviously that would have to affect the budget, but it didn't really matter to us. We wanted to stay true to the system and make sure that we fulfill our goals. So these are the things that will come. Um, so for me, 
my advice to anyone who's going through a reciprocal exchange or program is to first of all discover your strengths I knew the first thing that happened when we connected um, from the World Alumni Link was Sarah understood a bit about me and I understood a bit about her and we're able to use that respect to work with, with each other and that really drew value into the work that we're doing. So yes, understand your strengths um, and then once you've discovered those strengths, leverage, maximize the strengths in the work that you're doing and that's exactly what we did. So I think I'll stop here and I'll leave it up to, to Sarah to continue. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. I, I mean, as you can hear by the, just the way that Ray speaks and the, the passion that she has for this um, advocacy work that she's so deeply immersed in. Um, I think right away I saw this this spark and this connection. I for for years, ever since my Fulbright grant and, and even before that, you know, I've I've I'm convinced I know the power of cultural diplomacy. I, I think that there are a few kind of concepts that are more more powerful and more effective in kind of bridging cultural differences and and maybe some some gaps in in mutual understanding than actually just finding finding a place where we are you know a space in which we're mutually passionate and finding where we can lend our expertise and maybe fill that fill that a little bit just a tiny drop of that gap and, and meet some of those needs by collaborating together that's awesome just to hear from from both of you how the impact was both uh on the national level, but also an impact that reached the two of you as individuals as well in your work. Um, so what I've heard is to understand and leverage your strengths, um, just build and, and emphasize that level of trust and, and communicate clearly and consistently. That's um, uh, things that I think we can all take with us today. Um, so lastly, just to wrap us up here, I'd love to hear from the two of you. Um, we have our network of Presidential Precinct alumni and other emerging leaders around the world that are listening to us and hearing your story here today. Um, maybe they're brainstorming how to create a similar partnership or even specifically contribute to the inclusion of people living with disabilities. Um, what would you like to leave our audience with today? What's something that you've taken away um, from this experience and, and would like to share with them? All right. So. Um... For me, I think what I've really learned from this experience, um, I'm just going to give a very short quote from Maya Angelou. And um, the quote is like this, um, you may encounter defeats, but you must not be defeated. In fact, it may be necessary to encounter the defeats so you can know who you are, what you can rise from, and how you can still come out of it. I love that quote so much and I take it with me every single day. And this quote is because it resonates with me because we, when we commenced in the project to include the um, young adults with disability into the Nigerian force as a frontier challenge, we had limited organizations affirm the availability um, to be part of the process and the workshop. And then we were able to reach out to one of the largest Nigeria recruitment organization that has over 2.5 million job applicants and over 60,000 employers nationwide and in West Africa. That is called Jobberman. And for us, we believed that if we were able to gain the buy-in of reputable organizations such as Jobberman, we would be shifting the attitudes of employment of persons with disability from a culture of compliance to truly an inclusive workspace. 
So we did it and it became a reality. And today we have a strong partnership agreement with Jobberman to include persons with disability into the workforce through upskilling, unemployment, soft skills, advocacy and publicity, and lastly, by them getting hired from employers of labor. We want to say thank you to um, David and Godswill and Aditayo, Ore, and all of our Joberman representatives who have really, you know, taken this initiative seriously and seen it as kind of a personal and professional mission to help ensure that there is an increasing um, culture of inclusion for people with disabilities for uh, and, and seeing Joberman as really a, a beacon and a, and a mentor for other organizations who are who are starting this journey of inclusion for people with disabilities. Um, I think one thing that we didn't mention earlier is that another big impetus for this project was uh, Rachel taught me about some recent legislation in Nigeria that actually requires the inclusion of a certain of a, of a small percentage, small but, but meaningful percentage of people with disabilities in the workforce in Nigeria. And she was, you know, sent me some more information about it, sent me the law itself, as well as some articles about it, where I was able to see that despite the fact that this has been signed into law, like so many laws, right, they kind of remain on paper or employers might be complying just for compliance, rather than actually be believing and understanding why this is meaningful. So that was a big thing um, that we, we saw this opportunity to bridge the gap between, uh, you know, a, a legal compliance effort and helping employers to actually see why this is important and why how it's possible too. The need is so great, okay? And sometimes people would ask me if I want to give up. I'm just talking from my own personal view. But I won't. I, I would definitely not give up. I will go for it, whether it's going to hurt me or not. But I think about the world of inclusion, and I focus on this goal. And I am led by empathy, and I don't think about the barriers. Just this beautiful goal and vision for what the world could be when we're more accepting, tolerant, and more inclusive towards others. And so my advice to everyone who's listening is, for you, Please keep impacting lives with the work that you do. The world needs people just like you. Thank you. <laughs> yes, Ray. <laughs> See, it's like every time every time you get to talk to Ray, it's like a it's like a TED talk, and it's great. <laughs> Even in my, I would wake up because our you know our hours are so different. I wake up almost every day to um, a WhatsApp voice note with basically an inspiring speech. I mean, what's not to love, right? I think um, that's part of my advice, right? Is to really listen and be present with your collaborators and teammates um, and everyone around you. What are they trying to teach you? What are you, what are you gaining from being in their presence? What are they gaining from you? What is, what is the exchange really? What is at the base level, um, the exchange of this kind of human interaction? I think, uh, you know, in these kinds of projects, they are, they can be as micro or macro as you make them, right? We get this tiny amount of funding, let's be real, you know, it's a very, I, I want to just call this out that we did um, everything that we've just described, we did with $3,000 US. I do think that's important to recognize and something that's often left out of the conversation of, of these kinds of passion projects um, that, we're, that we're doing them amidst all of our, you know, all of our, um, 
work in our other jobs and, and ways that we're sustaining ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis. So obviously this, you know, that implies that, that we, we, we see this as something meaningful. I think if you're, you know, if you're looking to, to create a similar partnership, kind of start from, start from square one with someone who you see uh, overlaps in, in, in goals and in passions with and have a conversation, have a brainstorm, think about one specific issue and ways that you could see entry points into making um, a little bit of a, of a ripple or drop in the pond that could have a ripple effect. Um, and, and just start, just start brainstorming in, in education. We always talk about backwards planning, right? Starting with the end in mind, what's your big goal? And then how can you work backwards and, and plan out how you're going to reach, how you're going to reach that, uh, that ultimate end goal by, by chunking it into smaller goals. Ray has, has mentioned that um, there are so many possibilities now, thanks to kind of this one micro project that will that will far outlive the initial gathering and and the the documentaries that we created, and kind of continue continue marching forward. Um, as she mentioned, Joberman, who have a lot of a lot of um, influence in the in the hiring space, have have been really crucial crucial partners and because of our projects and, and their incredible partnership um, are actually continuing to work with the, with the protagonists who we featured in the documentary. And these, these three will actually be trainers of trainers essentially um, within Joberman's uh, networks over the next couple of months. They are going to lead sessions on soft skills and, um, and other, uh, other sessions. So they are now going to be um, given this platform that they absolutely should be given, um, and who knows what will what will happen because of that, right? It's it's one, I think one obviously one project. You never know where where the ripple ends, and and being able to continue to push and follow up and ask what's next, um, and and not assuming that the day that the that the project final report is sent in that that's the end of the project. Um, that's one thing that I think we both believe in strongly and being able to follow up with our partners and choose, um, and I, and just in general, choose partners who, with whom we see a lot of longevity, uh, that they're not just showing face for this, for this couple of weeks or months in the project, but that they actually, um, are on board as, as true partners, whether it's the filmmaker helping to make the story come alive, um, our, our employer partners, uh, the, the students who participated and shared their stories. It really is a, it's just a, a jumping off point, a starting point. Uh, and so I would definitely encourage uh, people who are working in, in advocacy to, to see kind of their initial contributions and projects as just a starting place um, for a much larger, uh, longer uh, end game. Well, I'm so grateful to you both for joining us today and giving us this, this model of collaboration and partnership. I know that many within our audience may find themselves one day in a reciprocal exchange or really just more generally in a cross-cultural partnership like the one that you two have been in and continue to grow in. I thank you so much for sharing this model with us. I also encourage all of our listeners to check out this incredible just seven-minute documentary that Ray and Sarah have put together. In this short period of time, it really covers a great amount of detail about this partnership and really shows us 
um, some individual stories and individual examples of growth and progress that's happening within Nigeria. We're so grateful to them for linking us to that awesome resource. So thank you both for joining us here today. Thank you all for listening and joining us for this episode of the Global Founders Podcast. We'll see you next time.